I have no issues in the basement living in the dungeon that I'm in right now. This is episode 9 of Ruminate. Ruminate is a podcast about the opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm your host, Rob Lewis, and with me as always is John Voorhees. Hi, John. Hey, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm very, very well, John. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm recovering from eating a whole hog last night. To yourself, or did you share no, it with other no. people? I did share it. I did share it. We had about a dozen people who went out for a holiday party last night um, to a place called The Frontier in Chicago, in a part of Chicago called West Town. And... They roasted a pig for us, about a 25-pound pig or so, and then a whole bunch of really good sides, you know, mac and cheese and cornbread, and we had some we had some fun punches um, in giant jars that you could, you know, full of ice that were really tasty. Um, it was really good. Yeah, it sounded, you sent me a picture uh, last night, I think, and it, yeah, it made me hungry, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, seeing the whole hog right there sitting us by your table is... Um, turn some people off but I, it doesn't bother me they um they boy they made um quick work of that hog too they, they took that thing and and carved it up really quickly um and so they just bring plate after plate of different cuts from the from the pig and you it's um barbecued it's smoked over like applewood and whatnot and um it's really it was tasty um the one part that was a little uh the one part that did turn my stomach a little bit was when they brought a special platter over on a on a wooden cutting board, all pre-chopped up, and it was laid out um, as you would <laughs> expect. It was the pig's face, oh. and so you had the two ears, uh, the two eyeballs, the snout, all sliced up. Oh, I almost forgot. Between the ears, there was the brain, uh, and then the cheeks, and I did not have any of that. But on the pl- platter, too, were two shots of whiskey. And so the thing to do is to eat the pig's eyeball and have a shot of whiskey. And they did find two takers in our in our group, and it was turned my stomach a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely not something I think I'd uh, be partaking in. I'll stick for the, uh, the the standard parts of the meat. Um, yeah, yeah. But as was, you say, uh, I've I've been to um, a couple of weddings um, over the last few years where they've had a, a really nice hog roast, and it's it's just really good when it's done properly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was um, a freshman at, at Duke, um, when I was going to university, they did one for the entire freshman class. It was huge. The thing had to have been 100 plus pounds. It was maybe six feet long. It was huge. And um, they cooked for like, you know, 36 hours or something. But it was really good, too. That was a long time ago, though. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's not get into that now. We don't want to. Uh, no, we won't. We don't want to reveal the, uh, the time, do we, John? <laughs> no, it was years ago. So um, you've... You've caved, John, haven't you? And what have you ordered? Come on, admit I ordered, what you've done. I, I know that I said I wasn't going to order it, but I, I ordered an iPad Pro because I don't know why. Because I can't resist. Um, I as it, what really tipped it for me was the reviews of the pencil, especially the handwriting. Um, I do a lot of marking up documents, PDFs, and stuff, and I've never found. That a stylus works well for that. It's just too imprecise. Um, but especially after reading, oh, I, think I read Mike Hurley's review on the Pen Addict, um, and uh, maybe one or two others, and it looks looks so good for handwriting that I just couldn't resist. Um, and there are a lot of days too when I don't want to carry my Retina MacBook Pro, which is pretty heavy. Uh, and I think this will serve me well for when I'm doing writing and other things like that. 
so you're getting that uh you've got the 15th here so it'll be a couple of days so tuesday is that right yeah tuesday it's coming to the house um then i you know i was trying to part i almost one reason i almost um didn't order it was that the i couldn't find an apple pencil anywhere i mean i went to a couple apple stores then i got wise and stopped going to apple stores and calling apple stores and then i was told things like there's not an apple pencil within 100 miles of chicago um and then uh, someone on Twitter told me a few days ago that Best Buy was getting a big shipment of them and that you could order them online for in-store pickup. So I ordered one and I'm getting that Wednesday the 16th. So there's a, there's a Best Buy downtown that I can stop in and, and pick it up. But I still, I still have one on order with Apple online and that's not supposed to come till mid January at this point. And there's just none in the stores as far as I can tell. I, I was told that, you know, people are lining up and when it opens, to get the one or two that might show up that particular day at any given store. Uh, it's been a real, real problem. Yeah. It's, um, the, the delivery dates in the UK are kind of the same, like middle of January, end of January, that kind of thing. Um, and you kind of look on eBay and there's people with like 15 or 20 of them and they're selling them for double the price. Cause they've clearly just gone into the Apple store and ordered all of them. Um, so what, yeah, it, it seems like maybe there's kind of a little bit of, um, kind of uh, fake demand from these people you know the scalpers on ebay and stuff like that but it, you know even so you should be able to get one you know within within a week should be reasonable yeah i really didn't expect it to be so hard i figured you know we have a really big um, flagship store in downtown um, that doesn't have any and then one near my house in the suburbs um, and i didn't expect that it would be this hard to get one i mean yeah, i have seen pictures of people who found them online and found you know 10 or 20 in in their local apple store but they're not around here at all uh, and i guess best buy i suspect best buy must have already had some kind of commitment for from apple for a certain number of them by a certain date and that's why they're getting them before any of the apple stores around here yeah that sounds about right um I mean, you know, at least you're managing to get one, um, and you can, I'm sure we'll be uh, talking about it, uh, well, not in the next episode, because we've got a special episode, but uh, the, the episode first thing in the new year. Yeah, definitely. The, the big question now is whether I wrap it and open it on Christmas or just start using it next week. I suspect I'm just going to start using it next week. I would or be this. very, very surprised, John, if you, <laughs> if you had enough will to, to wrap it up and keep it for another week. Oh, yeah, it would be pretty hard. Um, I did get the um, the SD card reader, that new SD card reader. Um, that's seemed, I haven't really, haven't really used it yet. I tried, tested it out with some photos I already had on an SD card and it worked, it works with the, um, you know, the current generation iPhone. It's nice. Yeah. It's a nice, um, I, I'm, I'm surprised that hasn't been, um, cause they had one previously, didn't they? But it, it's, am I right in thinking it didn't work with the iPhone? That's correct. I think it only, only worked with the iPad. Yeah. Which is a bit strange is that clearly that's a, a software thing, not a, not a hardware thing, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice little accessory if, um, you know, if you need one, um, I, oh, guess, yeah, I guess, I guess that would be another option for me. We spoke about, um, uh, you know, SD cards and things like that. And yeah, the iPhone, right. <clears throat> uh, yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's a decent, um, you know, a decent alternative to, to something like an iFi card. Yeah, no, I think what it'll be good for, especially is going on vacation without a laptop and, you know, you, maybe you do bring a, a, um, a camera that uses an SD card, you can offload and effectively back up your photos to your phone or your iPad without having to bring a laptop, which, and then, you know, do some editing, maybe post them online, whatever. I mean, without having to deal, deal with a laptop. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on, we've got some follow up from Chris. Uh, we were talking about slim wallets last week and, uh, 
he wrote in to tell us about the few of the uh, slim wallets that he's tried, um, some that are part of an iPhone case and a couple that were, you know, just uh, slim wallets. Um, and he's got a blog post or he's got actually got two or three blog posts that he's um, <clears throat> he's tried out a few of these different uh, slim wallets. And I know you, you've tried uh, quite a few as well, haven't you, John? Um, yeah, I've tried different things. Uh, the, the, the main one that I've used is called the Cinch. Um, and they come, you can get it either as, it's really just an elastic around a card in the middle and you slide in your cash or your, in your cards in around the sides of this, you know, this card that's in the middle, um, that gives it structure. And, and they have ones that are either a piece of wood, or you can get one that's stainless steel with a little cutout in the middle that you can use as a bottle opener. Um, that's the one that I've, I've used, um, not surprisingly. And it's, it's really good. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it. The only thing is, is that the elastic has gotten kind of worn over time and they don't have any replacements. So I was looking at, um, another one, which we'll talk about later when we talk a little bit more about Kickstarter, um, that looked like a little bit better implementation of a similar thing. Um, but that Kickstarter has been canceled. So uh, I think I'm going to stick with what I have for now. Um, yeah, what did you did you look at these other two here? Uh, yeah, I've had a, I've had a look at a few. Um, again, you mentioned we're going to talk about Kickstarter in a minute, um, and you know, and I've seen a few on there, and um, yeah, the, you know, the ones that, that Chris sent in. I mean, they look nice. Um, the, the kind of minimal wallets, it's not really something um, that I'm particularly interested in. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of certainly a lot of variety. Um, I think you know you can jump on Kickstarter any given day and find ten or twenty. Um, different uh, projects that are creating these, these slim wallets. Yeah. I think it's um, solving to some degree. The problem, the problem is what you're carrying, not not which wallet you're using. You know what I mean? I, I, cause I think part of the problem I find is like, well, my wallet's too big again. Well, it's because you've, I've crammed too much junk around, you know, my inside my minimal, minimalist wallet. You know, it's not the wallet's fault. It's, it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I know. See people kind of talking about, Oh, here's how you can slim down your wallet with our magic new wallet. But in reality, you know, if you're carrying around 20 different store cards and credit cards and bank cards and all this kind of stuff and, and you know, receipts yeah. and whatever else people keep. Um, so I try and, and, and replace um, store cards with the iPhone apps or passbook if I can, um, just so right. I don't have to carry those around. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to do the same. Some people are feel compelled to carry everything they've ever been given in the, in the shape of a card in, in one spot, which I, I don't do. I mean, I usually have an, like an, an ATM card, a credit card and some cash and my ID. And that's about it. Um, although that kind of burned me a little bit this past week, I had my credit card number stolen. Someone was charging, um, charging things in Mexico to my credit card. And so I found myself out with my ATM card for some reason wasn't working in the ATM I was using. Um, I had very little cash and my credit card was was frozen. So uh, that can happen, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. So um, the, the last note that uh, Chris had actually in his follow-up, he, he said uh, that you need to be very selective on Kickstarter, um, which <clears throat> leads us into our topic of Kickstarter. And I think to start with, that does make a good point. I think it's kind of easy to just get caught up in, you know, the nicely produced videos and look at this, give us $10 and we'll send you it, you know, whatever the, the product happens to be. And this is half the price of retail and things like that. Um, and it's, it's easy to get caught up, um, just kind of backing everything that you find that you think might be interesting. But, um, but yeah, I know, I think I kind of follow Chris's advice that I try and be fairly selective in, uh, in what I back. 
Yeah, I was. I had a Kickstarter problem for a while. It seemed like. I mean, I, I was backing a lot of stuff, and then I realized that it really wasn't that smart. So I, I, I basically deleted the app, stopped getting the emails, and now if I hear about something that's really you know gotten some traction, um, I'll take a look at it. Uh, but I'm super selective these days. Yeah, it's kind of the same as me. Um, I just kind of wait, and if if I see a lot of people tweeting about it, then uh, you know I'll check it out. Um, talking of ones that are uh, gaining traction, we talked about the. Uh, the paint drying uh, movie that's going to get sent off to the uh, the, the classification board mm-hmm. um, that is now as of maybe twenty minutes ago that is up to thirteen hours ten minutes and fifty four seconds. Wow! So uh, yeah, so that that's gonna that's gonna be a fun couple of days in the uh, classification office. Yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to paint a couple of walls because I you know it doesn't take thirteen hours for a, you know for paint to dry. No, definitely not. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, this is a, this is a fun project, and the fact that it's kind of got over over the original kind of planned four hours is uh, it's, it's just a, an interesting thing. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of cool. So you um you mentioned a minute ago um, about a, a Kickstarter that got cancelled um, by the owners, um, but you, you've popped an article in here about uh, there's a a journalist is. Um, investigating uh, cancelled and failed Kickstarters, that kind of thing. Right, right. Um, the one that I was involved in that got cancelled is not this one. That's um, it's a different one. The one I got involved in is a um, is the wallet one. And it's a just a what they were going to do is take do a minimalist wallet using titanium, and they had some prototypes and it looked like it was working. And then they got some metal, they tried it out, started production, and. Uh, found that the metal was cracking. So instead of delaying it significantly, they just um, canceled it and said they would come back when they got the, you know, the metallurgical issues squared away, which I think is probably a good way to do it. That's got to be very hard if you're doing, um, doing that sort of thing. This is a company that already had done Kickstarters and already had similar versions of this wallet online. Um, so it wasn't like their first time um, with a lot of sunk money. They uh, were just using it to kind of ramp up a new version of an existing product. So um, it, it was canceled. and It was a little disappointing because it looked to me like it was a little bit uh, improved version of what I'm already using, um, and I wanted to try it out. But you know, I'll keep my eye open, and hopefully, I'll have uh, get to use that again soon. Um, the other one, though, the one that's been commissioned, the article that's been commissioned, is that there was a drone project in Europe, and I, I don't, I, I assume that this is not was not limited to sales in Europe, although it was described as a European Kickstarter. I don't know if Kickstarter limits itself geographically or not, but it was the biggest one that ever had been funded in Europe and, um, and it failed. Nobody ever got their thing, their, their stuff. And, uh, I don't recall how much it raised. I think it was like two or 3 million euros. Uh, something yeah. Like just that. Like it was, uh, 2.3 million pounds, um, from oh, okay. 12, from 12,000 backers. Yeah. And it failed. So Kickstarter has actually commissioned a, a journalist to investigate it and write something about it, which is interesting because it, I mean, from their perspective, I think they felt like it would do the entire community of Kickstarter a service to know what went wrong here and, and you know, how it can be avoided in the future, both from a producer standpoint and from a consumer's standpoint in terms of the, the backers. Yeah, definitely. And I think this, this brings it on, brings us on nicely to something that, I felt has been a problem with Kickstarter for a while. Um, you know, so for example, in, in that scenario, you know, it's a kind of miniature drone that you can control with your phone and stuff like that. 
Um, and, and, you know, their original target was not $2 million. Um, I can't... Uh, yeah, see, their, uh, so their original target was £125,000. Um, oh, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot more. So, you know, that they've gone a, a significant amount over that. Um, and, and, you know, maybe in this scenario, obviously, we'll find out when this article uh, gets published, but... My problem here is, you know, they they only want one hundred twenty five thousand to get this going, but they don't. There's no kind of upper limit. Um, you know, they just keep on getting backers more and more over to, over the kind of thirty or forty five days or whatever it is. Um, and I feel like in a lot of scenarios, this is actually what causes the problems. Is instead of having to make, say, I don't know, two thousand of these drones, they've got to make fifty thousand or a hundred thousand of them. Um, mm-hmm. And, and clearly, they weren't planning on that because otherwise, their their goal would be a lot higher, right? Um, and, a, and a good example of this, um, you know, not quite the same, but um, the Pen Addict uh, did a Kickstarter a while ago to uh, to send Mike out to the Atlanta Pen Show. Uh, they were going to record a live show and you know do a like kind of little document mini documentary about it and uh, you know video the live show that kind of thing. And one of the rewards was you could get one of the uh, you could get a pen case, um, right? Which was not you know that's a that's a, a kind of perfect for the pen addicts audience. Um, but what they did was they limited the amount of pen cases they were going to make, um, mm-hmm. so you couldn't they couldn't have ended up making a hundred thousand of these if they got that many backers. Like there was a limited amount, um, so their their final goal didn't go or their final amount funded didn't go too much over what they'd originally asked for. Yeah, they effect, they effectively imposed, self-imposed a limit on it, is what you're saying, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, they only had, as far as I'm aware, they had uh, two reward levels. Um, there was $10, which was just to get the video when it came out. Um, and then there was $35 to get the, the pen case and obviously the video as well. Um, yep. And they limited that to 300 backers, and that was it. Yep. No, I've got one of those pen pen cases. It's really nice. Um, and and I think that that to me is a good way of doing a lot of these campaigns um, because you know obviously all those pen cases had to be manufactured. Um, you know they had to be made, and if they had done a thousand of those or fifteen hundred, it could have taken months or you know even a year or so to uh, to get those out. Yeah, you run into scale issues for sure, and then that becomes a delay just because of the number of items you're making instead of. Uh, you know, any problems with the actual process. Yeah. I know. I, I, I tend to agree with that too. Yeah. So, um, how many projects have you backed, uh, John? Well, I have actually, I, I went back and looked, I was surprised. I've backed 25, um, which is more than I thought I had. Um, and it, it's definitely, I think if you plotted them out on a graph, you'd see that there's a big spike in the first year or two, and then it slowed down substantially. Um, how about you, Rob? Um, I've only done, uh, 11. Um, I tend to, uh, back with what we were saying about kind of being selective, uh, I I will tend to only back a project if I know it's going to get funded and I can kind of know that I'm definitely going to get the uh, the product. I I really pick the ones that are very very low risk um, in terms of me giving them money. Yeah, well, no, I, I definitely, especially these days, try to look for people who already have some experience in what they're making. Like I said, with the wallet, I mean, this was a company, you know, even though it got, and it, it doesn't always work because this one obviously got canceled anyway, but, um, it's a company that was already making this product in a different kind of metal. 
Um, so, you know, you, you figure that there's at least a, a reasonable chance that they'll be able to follow through and, and produce it. Um, same thing with, um, the, uh, priority bicycle that I got. That's probably, that's the most expensive thing I've bought. I bought a bicycle, oh, a wow. commuter bike. Yeah. And it, it, it's great. I love it. Um, it's what's, what's kind of cool about it is it's, um, it's belt driven instead of chain driven. So you don't have to deal with, um, keeping the, the chain, you know, greased and, and everything or getting it on your clothes or all those things. It's very, it's designed to be super, super low maintenance. Um, and, uh, for really just commuting. Cause I, I go down, I ride, I either walk or ride that bike down to the train station, you know, every day, about a mile or so. And, um, the bike is a, a great way to do it. Sometimes I run errands around town on it, you know, look like a little bit of a goofball, but, um, it's kind of nice. Get a little exercise. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the, that's a kind of perfect example of something that, um, that I, I think is great for Kickstarter because, you know, there, there's maybe not, um, you know, a huge market for something like that, but for the people that do want it, you know, you can give them the money, they get the project done and then they can, you know, do a small run that they can sell afterwards and, and they, you know, they can kind of build the business from there. Right. And, and, and that one, although, you know, it was risky in the sense that it was more expensive, I think it was like $350, which is pretty reasonable for a bicycle. But, um, the person who was, who was, you know, the company that was doing it, the, the guy who was in charge of it, uh, he had a lot of experience in the bicycle industry. So, um, you know, there were definitely risks in terms of manufacturing and whatnot, but, uh, I think that, you know, it was a little bit low risk only because the person had experience in the industry to begin with. Yeah. A couple of my favorites were, um, uh, I've, I've done a lot. Most of mine are uh, books or, or documentaries. Um, mm-hmm. and, and two of my favorites were, were a couple of books. Uh, the first one was the, uh, Sega mega drive collection. Um, which was a series of uh, original artwork from the the Mega Drive. You might, or sorry, the Sega Genesis, as it's called in in uh, the US, I think. Um, but it was a series of kind of uh, concept art, and they did loads of interviews with with people who made games for the you know the console and things like that. Um, and, and that was a, a really nice um, you know final product when that arrived. It's a really huge book that they'd. Um, they'd piled a lot of money into it as well like the the extra money that they raised they used it to get better paper and you know color photographs and things like that that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do um at at the original uh target yeah i was looking at that it looks like a really neat neat book um yeah so my favorites the priority bike that i got that was uh this time last year um the the cinch wallet because i've been using that for well over a year um, I like the, and then the, uh, app, the human story, which is a documentary that is still in the, in the works right now, uh, coming out fairly early next year. I think, um, it, they, they previewed, a a little trailer, um, teaser at XOXO this year. They, I guess it was, let's see, it was, they first started working on it right around the time of WWC. 2014. So it's been going for a while. They didn't do their Kickstarter till after WWDC, I, I think, if I remember the timing right. But they were there that first that in at WWDC in 2014. At you know they were there at the taping of the talk show and and a bunch of other venues. And uh, that's when they f- did some of their early interviews. And from what I've seen, it looks really good. They've got a lot of really interesting people, both iOS, Android, you know, other people, designers, developers, that sort of thing. Yeah, that was one uh, that I've backed as well, and, and you know, like you, um, I'm pretty excited to uh, 
to see that get finished. Um, yeah, and again, like you say, I think it, it, when they've already done a lot of the work and actually the Kickstarter is just to be able to make it better and, and do some extra interviews and things like that, I think that's good. That's a good way to to use this kind of uh, you know backing. Whereas if they hadn't done any of the work, um, it might not be so easy for them to calculate what kind of money they need and how long it will take and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that seems to be progressing along uh, quite well. Yeah. So um, the last thing I wanted to mention about Kickstarter, this is one of the other problems I have being in the UK, is that a lot of the Kickstarters are uh, US-based. And right. the shipping for some stuff, especially, you know, kind of bigger items, it, it is just is huge. You know, I could be looking at like 40 or $50 for shipping, um, which obviously can add a lot to the price. And then... I may get caught with custom fees as well when they when it comes into the UK. So I've actually avoided a lot of projects um, because of that as well. Yeah, I would think that that's a, a problem that maybe Kickstarter should think about trying to solve. You know, whether, whether that means they get into the distribution um, business or, or what. I mean, it's definitely a drag on Kickstarter, I would think, because it, it, it really, it really uh, restricts people to their, you know, their own geography. Yeah, it's, it's something that it, it's frustrating for for a lot of things. Like you know, there's been some uh, Apple Watch docs and iPhone docs, not not necessarily on Kickstarter, but just you know, sold in the US that I, I've not ordered because if I had ordered them, they basically get doubled in price by the time I ship them here and and things like right. that. Um, and and the custom well, yeah. fees are so uh, all over the place that you really just don't know if you're going to be charged or how much you're going to get charged. Um, and some of the carriers add their own charge on top of that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just I kind see. of difficult to um, work out what I'm going to actually pay in the end. Yeah, I kind of suspect that some people actually charge more than they need to on international just because they don't want to be bothered. You know, they're they're willing to ship it internationally, but only if uh, only if people pay a lot in order to do it. You know, kind of reducing demand for having to deal with international shipping by charging too much. Oh, definitely. And I think, it, you know, that also helps with not having to do returns and issues and stuff like that. Yeah, I think you're probably right. They're probably just charging a little bit too much to to stop me or to at least put me off from ordering. Right. So um, our next topic is I made a an, a claim on Twitter, didn't I? Uh, do you want me to? <laughs> Shall I read the yeah, tweet? That, what, what, yes, tell, tell us what your your claim was. So the the tweet reads, mark the day. If Apple remove the headphone port next year, I'm going Android. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> you're not. You're, it was a weak moment, Rob. I, no, I, I stand by it. I, I still stand by it now. Um, All right. <laughs> so this, if, if, if for anyone who doesn't know, this this was a, a rumor that came from, I don't even know what site it came from I, at this point. I think it was on 9to5Mac, maybe. Okay, so yeah, so this rumor came out that Apple are going to remove the uh, the standard headphone jack from from iPhones next year, and you know people were kind of all over the place. Some people were like, "It doesn't matter, Bluetooth the, the way forward," and then there was people like me who were like, "Nope, that's it. This is ridiculous. I'm not doing it." Um, and I have calmed down a bit now, um, <laughs> but the I feel like the frustrating part for me is that. Um, and we're going to get onto this in a little bit, but um, like Bluetooth headphones, I, I just don't think are quite there yet in terms of, well, one, in terms of sound quality, uh, battery life, and um, 
kind of just just being kind of cheap enough for either for Apple to ship them or for for people to just go out and buy third party ones. I mean, the you know decent Bluetooth headphones are certainly not cheap uh, compared to standard wired ones. Right. Yeah, I, I kind of fall into the camp of I just don't care, um, and I'm I'm not sure. I mean, we should explore this. What what is it about not having Bluetooth is part of it, and, and I I do use Bluetooth headphones, so maybe that's one reason I don't care. Um, but I do use wired headphones, like with my laptop and occasionally with my phone. Um, but why do you care if they take away one of the one of the holes in the bottom of your phone? So the reason I care, so you know, presumably they will still ship some kind of headphones with the with the iPhone, whatever that is, you know, a new version of EarPods or or whatever. Um, right. And uh, of course, the rumor says not only will they remove the the headphone jack, but headphones will use the the Lightning port for headphones. Which you know, there's a few third party, um, th- few third party ones that use Lightning now, but they are in the kind of eight nine hundred dollar range. <laughs> Yeah, they're very expensive. Um, so my problem is, I, I get these headphones from the iPhone, and they use a Lightning port. That's great; they work with my iPhone. But if I want to then use those with my laptop or with a stereo or you know anything else that has a, a, you know a, a standard headphone jack like I'm using now, I'm going to need some kind of stupid tiny adapter to use that. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I, I guess part of the reason I don't care is because one, I do use Bluetooth headphones, so I rarely have am, am using the um, three point five millimeter jack in my phone. And then when I'm using headphones with something else, I'm using different headphones. I'm using um, some Sennheiser PX two hundreds that I have with my laptop, and that's the only times I'm really using headphones. I don't use headphones. 90 to 95 percent of my headphone uses it with my phone and it's by bluetooth yeah so i i can see that and actually uh we've been chatting throughout the week and and actually for a, quite a while about bluetooth and I, d- I decided this week i was like right i'm gonna look find out what the best bluetooth headphones are um you know what ones can i buy that so that i can have some bluetooth headphones now um and, and i checked out the wire cutter and they've got kind of a list and and uh there's a couple on there. There's a Jabra Move and Jabra Revo um, are the two that they seem to recommend. Um, uh-huh. And uh, the, the first place I checked was uh, Marco Arment's headphone review, and he said the the sound was terrible. Um, he he really didn't like the sound from these these headphones. Um, he said the controls on the side of them uh, they've got some weird kind of touch based controls. He said they weren't very good. Um, and I kind of looked around and I, I kind of, I saw some people go, yeah, these are fine if you want Bluetooth, but I feel like there's a lot of, um, kind of accommodating because they're Bluetooth. They're kind of like, yeah, these are fine for Bluetooth headphones, but they're not, they're not good in comparison to a lot of wired ones. And then, um, so I, I find, I finally came to the conclusion this morning, um, and I've ordered just some standard wired headphones. Uh, I've ordered the uh, ATH M50X, uh, which seem to be uh, recommended uh, kind of across the board there. Marco Arment's second best in his list. Um, MKBHD recommends them. Wirecutter recommend them. So they, so yeah, I've ordered those and they're, they're coming tomorrow. 
Yeah, and those are standard over-the-ear kind of indoor-use type headphones, right? These aren't like the kind you'd necessarily walk down the street using. Uh, no, I mean, I will. But yeah, I, I kind of get your point. Like They're, they're a little bit big for uh, for kind of portable use. Yeah, no, I, I guess I'm showing my bias there. <laughs> you, you, you can definitely use them outside. They're just they're they're not they're not earbuds though. I guess is what all I was trying to get at. Uh, yeah, they, these are big kind of over the ear, um, over the head uh, headphones. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing with Bluetooth from my perspective. I've been using it for about a year and a half or so, and not having the wire is such a huge benefit that I'm willing to kind of compromise on the sound, particularly since I'm using them in environments that are noisy anyway. So, you know, if I'm walking out on the street uh, or on a train or something, it really doesn't matter that much that, that the uh, sound quality isn't great because there's a lot of background noise. And a lot of times I'm listening to podcasts, which may or may not have the most wonderful sound in the world. And even if they do, even if they are well recorded, it's in a relatively tight, you know, vocal range. It's not, you're not listening to music where you're trying to get really high highs and really low lows. Um, I do listen to music on them and I will, I, I absolutely agree that they're not the best in the world. Um, but not having that cord is kind of life-changing. I mean, I, I kind of analogize it to having the Apple watch because, with the Apple Watch, you get your notifications right on your wrist, and you don't have to pull your, your phone out of your pocket. And it seems like a small thing when you say it like that, but it is a pretty big thing, especially like here in Chicago in the wintertime as it's starting to get really cold here. Um, I don't have to yank my phone out constantly when I'm getting buzzed. I just take a quick look at my wrist, and if it's something important, I can deal with it. But nine times out of ten, it really isn't, and I can see what's going on, whether it's, you know, I'm getting a tweet or you're messaging me on Slack, and I'm not going to interrupt myself until I'm somewhere warm and to respond to you. Um, so, you know, the, the watch changes things pretty dr dramatically in terms of notifications for me, and the having Bluetooth headphones does something very similar because... All of a sudden, you don't, you know, you listen to your, I, I start up Overcast. I have my podcast in the order I want. They just automatically go one to the other. I keep my phone in my pocket and I walk along and I don't have, you know, I don't sit and getting, uh, I don't get that cord snagged on my bag or when I sit down in the seat in the train where it hooks on the back of the seat in front. I mean, I don't have any of that stuff anymore, which used to ultimately destroy my headphones because I, I go through headphones probably once every six months or so, at least especially when I had wired headphones, because I'm just not careful enough with them, I guess. And I end up eventually ruining the cord at some point um, because it gets yanked here and there and uh, the wires start disconnecting. Yeah, I, 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 I can kind of, you know, I completely agree with you, John. And, and you've, you've mentioned to me um, in our Slack before about, you know, not having a cord is great. And um, but the the problem I have is that it would be great for me, you know, when I'm going to work and, and coming back and things like that from out and about. But when I get to work, um, I'm not going to use Bluetooth all day while I'm sat in front of my computer. You know, I have my headphones on pretty much for the whole kind of eight hours or whatever that I'm at work. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely wouldn't do that either. No, and, and I think that was... I kind of just want to be able to have one pair of headphones that I use while I'm out as well as kind of at the office. Um, right. So you know they, these are these are ones I've tried for now. Ask me again in a year, maybe maybe I will have changed my mind. I mean, maybe Bluetooth headphones will will you know presumably will get better over the next year or two. Um, you know, yeah. so hopefully, um, you know the, well, the ones a, I've ordered yeah. will be fine for me, and and you know Bluetooth will get better, and, and I'm sure I'll change my mind in a year. 
Yeah, it's definitely just a, I mean, obviously a different use case that you've got than I do. And it works pretty well for me just because it's a commute thing more than anything else. And if I'm using my laptop, I use my Sennheiser um, headphones with those because they're a little more comfortable too. Um, and the sound is way, way better than the, uh, the Bluetooth headphones. Part of the problem is the technology too. I think we're just, you know, Bluetooth is kind of lousy um, for it, it. They, you know, we have with wireless headphones, you have to charge them. The sound quality I think is limited in part by the Bluetooth technology itself. Um, you know, range and connectivity are sometimes issues. Those are all things I, I'd actually welcome some sort of proprietary stand wireless standard. If Apple does that, uh, that makes it easier to get better connections and uh, better quality sound over wireless headphones. I, there's some intersections that I walk through in Chicago and I, I don't know what's emitting the radio waves, but I get interference at certain, um, certain intersections, which is really strange to me, but it's just the way it is with Bluetooth, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, Bluetooth has the advantage that it's not just on the iPhone, it's on other devices. But yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. Like, Bluetooth isn't a great standard for this, and, and you know, maybe we could do with something better. But right now, you know, Bluetooth is what we're stuck with. Um, yeah, it's gotten a little better over the last couple of years. But, it, I mean, that's why I finally went for it. Combination of Bluetooth improving and better battery life, like... It, charging them is a pain and i do carry earbuds with me as a backup in case they die but that's only happened a few times i mean i i charge mine probably like twice a week maybe wednesday and friday um sometimes a third time over the weekend um and it doesn't take very long because they're not very big batteries and they'll last for a couple of days worth of commutes for me yeah i think again like batteries and other um you know concern i mean for your use case yeah great you know you can charge them once every couple of days but you're really only using them for your commute um right i I, I really don't think we're at the point yet where somebody like me could you know leave the house at eight o'clock in the morning you know use them all the way to work use them all day at work and then use them to come home yeah that would be hard i think yeah i think that would be a little bit of a stretch for some of these headphones i mean they, they a lot of them claim between eight and ten hours but from what I've been reading, that's not necessarily the case, um, especially yeah, if you're the o- using them constantly. The over-the-ear ones, I'm sure, have longer battery life. I'm just using earbud-style ones, but um, it, I would think it would be really hard to get a full day's use, especially kind of end-to-end, you know, door-to-door from from your house. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, what what uh, what Bluetooth headphones are you using right now? Well, right now I'm using the Plantronics Backbeat Fit. Uh, and probably the best thing about them is that they seem to be pretty rugged. Um, you know, the jury's still out on these a little bit because I've only had them about three months. I got them in September. Um, the What I don't like about them is the controls are a little fiddly. The controls are on the earbuds themselves. So when you're putting them in your ears or adjusting them, it's very easy to accidentally hit the controls. I've gotten good at not doing that, but I, I kind of prefer having the controls on the cord itself, which some other ones I've had um, do it that way. But uh, Plantronics is, bo- is both somewhat reasonable price they're around a hundred dollars on amazon compared to some of the others and uh they are they seem fairly rugged so far they haven't broken i had in the past i've tried the jaybird x which is um recommended by a lot of people uh they were fine but they just stopped working one day and i'm not sure why i mean i do use these for exercising sometimes too and i think that can be pretty hard on Bluetooth headphones, even if they're supposedly designed for exercising. Um, those, I think they've got a new version of those called the X2, 
which I have not tried. The X were fine, but they didn't last that long, and they were $130. And then I tried the the Beats Power Beats uh, 2 Wireless, and I kind of like those in that they do the over-the-ear thing uh, that keeps them in place pretty well, uh, a little better than the fiddly wings that the Jaybird X have that you have to kind of try to jam inside your earlobe. Um, but the Power Beats go over your ear and then around your neck, and they've got a little adjustable cord so they, you can get a pretty good fit. Um, but the controls, which are on the on the wire themselves, the pause and volume up and down, the the rubber on it just um, gave at some point and, and tore. And they're expensive; they're almost two hundred dollars. Um, so I wasn't going after those died. Uh, I wasn't going back to those. So I've been with I've been using the uh, the Plantronics for like I said about ninety days, and so far so good. But um, they've got to get past the six months month. Um, stage at a minimum for me to really recommend them i think yeah i think that's it's maybe just another um kind of factor of the fact that um you know bluetooth earbuds and, and headphones just haven't been out that long like it's a relatively new technology and i think they're you know they want to get the cost to a decent price but they need to have decent batteries and things like that so you know maybe they're you know the materials and stuff aren't aren't so good at the moment because they're trying to keep the costs down um, so that they're right. actually affordable. I mean, like you say, you know the Beats are two hundred dollars, um, which is a lot of money for for uh, you know kind of in ear headphones. Um, right. So you know, again, I think this is probably going to shake itself out over the next year or two. Um, you know, especially if Apple uh, remove the headphone jack, then this really going to have to shake itself out quite quickly. Yeah, no, I, I'm at the point where I have considered going back to wired and going back to really just the ones that come with the iPhone, um, you know, the, the ear pods, which the, the original earbuds just didn't work with my ears. I found them really uncomfortable and they tended to fall out. But the, the ear pods work a lot better for me. And I think the sound, the sounds better than the Bluetooth headphones. So I really don't mind using those. Uh, and I may go, go back to those for a while, just experiment with trying wired again. Yeah, I really like the the earpods for you know for what they are. The, you know, they're just kind of the free headphones that come with with iPhones. Um, I, I mean, I do go through them quite quickly um, because I kind of just throw them around in my bag, and you know, I only really use them if it's raining, which is probably half the problem. <laughs> if it's raining, I don't want to use my nice headphones, so I get the right. earpods out. Um, but yeah, as you say, they're significantly better than than the ones that they used to come with because um, again, like you, they were just really uncomfortable. Yeah, and their uh, the earpods are $29, so you can't really beat the price. I and mean, if you do go through those every six months or so, it's a lot <laughs> a lot easier on the wallet. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, do we want to quickly mention this hideous battery case that Apple uh, <laughs> Apple released this week? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> there was a lot of talk, probably too much talk about this. Um, yeah, this is the, the new battery case for just the 6 and the 6S that looks like it swallowed an iPod Touch or something. Yeah, it kind of looks uh, like kind of old cartoons where a snake would like eat a you know a human, and you can kind of just see the outline of it on the back. Um, right. Yeah, right. I mean, it's. I, I think, as you say, there's been a lot of talk about it, and I've kind of relaxed a little bit since I first saw it, and I've had to think about it a bit more. Um, it's not particularly nice looking, um, but there, there was a good discussion on ATP this week, and you know, I, th- I think John and Mark, I made a good point there are no good looking battery cases. Like they all look terrible. 
Right. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, function over form. And I was kind of shocked to see it too, as most people were, but thinking more about it myself and seeing that, you know, the, some of the features it has, which is, you know, that it doesn't have an on off switch and you just can kind of slide it in without it being two pieces. And it, um, you know, and, and the other integrations that only Apple could do with a battery case, I don't have an issue with it. I mean, if I got, I, I'm not going to get one. I don't have a, a six, but if I were to get, I, I could see definitely getting one of these for things like being on a long trip, being on a long flight or being at a conference or something like that. Um, I, I usually bring along a battery pack. Um, those have their own limitations because obviously, um, you, then you're, you're tethered to something, but, um, that that's worked pretty well for me in the past. Yeah. That's what I have as well. I, I, I think I picked one up when there was a, an Amazon lightning deal. Um, it's not, you know, it's right. not a particularly good one, but you know, I've used it when I've been, you know, if I go into London or something for the day and I'm out uh, from early in the morning and stuff, um, you know, I've used that. And like you say, it's a bit annoying to be tethered to it, but the, the battery pack that I've got is pretty thin. So I just kind of plug it in and chuck my phone and the battery in my pocket and just you know get on with it and it, and it seems yep. to work pretty well so yeah same here so um should we talk a little bit about uh copycat apps uh, this was something that you've come across this week and actually i have to a certain extent as well right i mean copycat apps are not they're they're not anything new and un- unfortunately and they are policed by apple but um not particularly well i was looking for um, just to download, I had, um, on my phone, I had a, an app called screeny, which is an app that lets you, it basically detects the screenshots in your camera roll and, you know, gives the option to delete them and save some room and clean up your, your photo roll. So I, I didn't have that on my iPad and I was, uh, so I went to download it and I typed in screeny and I found that there are four screenies. There's screeny pro screeny. I don't know. There's Screeny Pro TM, uh, you know, trademark. Was, there's there were four different ones. I, let's see. Here's the picture. It's uh, there's Screeny, which was the real Screeny, Screeny Pro, Screeny TM, and Screeny Plus. And they all had very nearly the same icon. At least three of them, the icons were almost identical. Uh, and then the screenshots were very similar, both in style and and layout. Uh, so I looked at it and I was. I knew exactly what I was looking for in the store store, and I was confused as to which one of these was which at first. I thought, oh, Screeny Pro. I didn't know they had a pro app. Maybe I ought to take a look at that. I realized, well, that's not their app. Um, And I guess from reading an article that the developers put on uh, Medium not long after they released Screeny, this has been a problem that they've had since the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, you sent me uh, this screenshot when you found it, and I think, or you you tweeted it as well. Uh, yeah, you tweeted it, and and I think you sent it to me as well. And you said to me like, which one is the real one? And I honestly wasn't sure. Like, I mean, the only giveaway for me was the fact that the the real one had some ratings. That was the only giveaway for me that that was the real one because I don't, I, I haven't used this app, so I've got no kind of prior knowledge of of which one is which. Right. Um, and I think right. that's no, probably can... the problem that we're getting at here is that if I say to somebody who doesn't know about it, oh, you should download Screeny, that'll do what you need to do, and they search for it, they're not. They're just not going to know. It, it's far too difficult. Yeah, I, I have no idea how you can get 
why why there can be four apps that are called the exact same thing a made up word screeny why that why it's okay to have four apps with the exact same name i mean i understand that there's limited namespace and and there are going to be apps that have similar names but um four with the exact same almost the exact same screenshots and the exact same name is ridiculous to me yeah i mean this, this is blatant um, you know, this is these are blatant ripoffs. You know, this isn't a coincidence that two people have made an app called Screeny. Um, all of these screenshots look like look identical. Um, you know, the the icon, as you say, you know, this is something that Apple. I, I feel like Apple should maybe do something about it because they they decided that they are in charge of the App Store. You know, they, there's they police it and they stop apps getting in, um, and yet this is the kind of crap that gets through. Yeah, and there is there is a process. There is a place you can go and complain uh, to Apple Apple Legal about this. Um, and I asked the screening developers if they had, um, and they said they did originally when they first launched the app, and that they um, it ne- never really went anymore anywhere. But they were uh, contemplating going back and trying again. I would God, I would hope that they would. It would be fairly easy to get rid of at least get rid of all three of these apps there because they're so close in style and, and name, um, but. You know, it is what it is. I mean, you, you've got some experience with this dealing with, um, because you've been watching the Apple TV apps and that's starting to pop up on Apple TV too, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, this, this has been a joke, uh, kind of, you know, maybe just between me, but you know, I've kind of been laughing about this since I've started looking since the Apple TV came out. Um, but if you search for 2048 on the app store, um, you know, there was maybe 20, probably a week or two ago, you know, that's, there's another five or 10 been added now um and and flappy flappy bird ripoffs is probably the wrong word but games that are called flappy something like there's flappy salmon in there or there's mr flappy like there's so many apps that are just desperately trying to hope that somebody will search for flappy bird and think that their app is actually flappy bird yeah, they just want to ride in the coattails of something successful. And, and, and Flappy Bird is actually one where there is an example of where Apple did crack down because once Flappy Bird took off, um, there was Flappy everything for a while, right? And and everything in the uh, the charts started uh, having Flappy in it, and, and Apple started denying, um, denying those apps at one point. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they kind of, they clearly did it, as you say, you know, when Flappy Bird first took off, but you look at this screenshot from the Apple TV store. And I mean, this is like a quarter of what I could see on the screen. Um, You know, I just took a screenshot through Xcode so I can only show you the top bit, but there was, you know, maybe another 50 or so apps underneath this. And there's, you know, flappy wigs and, you know, the awesome flappy, flappy pixel, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) flappy red dragon. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm all for variety and stuff like this, but but this kind of crap, like this just makes the app store look bad. Yeah, it does. It makes it look junky for sure. Um, the bar is very low. That, that much is obvious. Um, so we have a couple of articles that we can, that we'll put in the show notes. One is the screeny developers post that I mentioned. And then there's a, also a good overview um, of the problem on Ars Technica from a couple of years ago, um, called how app store grifters clone an overnight an overnight success and make a quick buck. So, which is what this is all about. So, yeah, no, those are both, both good. And as you say, we'll stick those in the show notes. Um, so we've just got a couple more, um, kind of little videos for the end of the year, which is nice. Um, yeah. the X-Men apocalypse trailer, uh, which came out a few days ago. Um, oh, yeah. what did you think of this? Uh, 
okay, the from <laughs> I, I think I've said before, but I love the superhero movies. You know, whether it's X Men or the Marvel or not the new Fantastic Four, because that is just awful. But that's <laughs> let's not even get into that. Um, yeah. You know, but these are great because you sit down, you watch them. And they're just they're kind of just fun to watch. Right. Um, my, but they they did in in Days of Future Past. They kind of, which was the 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 previous X Men film, they set it up at the end to what seemed like, oh, this is going to lead into X Men Apocalypse. Um, and I thought, oh, that's a really way, really clever way of doing it. It's interesting. I won't spoil it for anyone, but. What they seem to have done is just gone, oh, do you know what? The timeline and characters that we've had in the previous films are completely irrelevant. Here's some new characters, and some characters that have already been in the films are now in this film, but this film is set 30 years before. Um, so they've just kind of thrown the timeline out the window and gone, oh, screw it, we're, we're doing this anyway. Uh, see, I didn't really realize that. I Part of the problem I have with some of these movies is I, I tend to forget the continuity aspects of them. And I feel like I need to go back and watch them again to, to understand all the references. But you can't really anymore because there's so many of these now. Um, and the X-Men is one that I, I, I like the X-Men, but I haven't really paid that much attention to it. So I didn't I didn't pick up on that other than I saw that there were different actors. Yeah, I mean, the, the different actors is is kind of reasonable because obviously this is supposed to be, I, th- I think it's supposed to be set kind of 30 years in the past or, or thereabouts, 30, 40 years right. in the past. Um, but from the trailer, like, Jean Grey is in this. Um, right. Which is fine, except she's not, you know, she's not 70 or 80 years old in the original X-Men films. <laughs> so she, yeah. clearly aging doesn't, uh, doesn't um, affect her. Um, but you know, I, I'm still looking forward to it because you know I, I really enjoy all these these kind of films, even if they are kind of samey at times. Yeah, no, I, I like them too, and I mean, I, I have very low demands of things like this. I mean, I you know I'm easily amused, and <laughs> I just go to I just go to for a little escapism, so I don't mind. Uh, and I thought the trailer looked pretty cool. Yeah, it certainly looks like a fun one. Um, and you you've popped a video in here that I that I did watch, but uh, do, you want me, do you want to tell us about this, John? Yeah, Stephen Hackett, I saw post this on Twitter a couple of days ago, and it's just a um, something on devour.com. It's a compendium of of news bloopers from the past year. It's about 15 minutes long, so it's kind of long, but it's it's very funny. I mean, everybody's watched news bloopers before, but I think, thought this was really well done. I, it was uh, It's a, a great way to kind of, uh, I don't know, laugh at the news. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting especially if you get the uh, the bigger stories because you kind of go, "Oh, that was in relation to that" and and things like that. But um yeah, I think they've done this um the past couple of years and and they're always pretty fun to watch. Um it you know, if for no other reason than, you know, it's human nature to want to laugh at people when, you know, they say a rude word when they don't mean to or, you know, they mess right. up that kind of thing. And that's pretty much what it is. But yeah, this this is um this is a nice fun video if you've got got 15 minutes spare. Yeah, I, I like the I, I really like the uh, the guy when they cut to him live and he's in the middle of ordering a, a fish sandwich at McDonald's. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and there's one quite near the beginning of the video as well where um, I think it's a BBC News presenter and she's just kind of brushing her hair and oh, right. looking in her bag and then the music comes and, and it, the camera kind of zooms in like it would and she's like, oh, oh, um, right, okay, I suppose I best do the news now. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. So um, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Um we do have a special episode coming up in in a in a couple of weeks. We're probably going to release it uh, probably Christmas Eve. 
Yeah, this is the one where um, Joe Steele dresses up like Buddy the Elf and sings Christmas carols, right? Oh, that's yeah, that's definitely it. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, well, you know, we Joe Steele is now somebody we have to mention on all these podcasts. So, no, I, 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 I contacted Joe. I said, Joe, can you get the Buddy costume out and sing us some songs, and maybe we'll do a video podcast for the first time? Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't available. Oh well, that's oh, forget it then. Shut yeah, it all so down. Maybe 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 next year but uh instead we did a special um holiday episode which is special mainly because i'm not going to be around uh two weeks two sundays from now so we we picked all of our favorite things from the past year and talk about them and we're gonna that's going to be coming out probably a little early compared to our, our usual shows uh, there is a, one thing i want to mention because because we pre-recorded uh the, the next mm. episode um, we didn't mention the greatest epi- podcast episode of the year, which is oh, yes. the top four Christmas music episode, uh, which features Tiffany and Marco Arment, who were the usual hosts, as well as Mike Hurley and his girlfriend Adina. And this is just such a good episode of, of any podcast. Like This is the best episode of a podcast this year, without a doubt. It was very funny, and that's probably what inspired me to talk to Joe. Absolutely. Which I didn't actually, which I actually really didn't do. If you, you had noticed, I'm being sarcastic, but I, I just like to give Joe a hard time. Uh, yeah, so um, we'll we'll pop that in the show notes. Um, that was that was the one thing I'm disappointed about because we pre-recorded because we didn't get to mention that on the show. Oh yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite episodes of the year. So if you um, if you haven't been listening to the top four, you should definitely. If nothing else, I would start there. And and I think that I do you know how many episodes they've done? They haven't really done that many, so it would be very easy to get into at this point. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's only uh, maybe maybe nine. I think is I think this was the ninth episode. Um, yep. But they, you know they're reasonably short. Then they're, they're never more than about kind of forty five minutes or an hour long. Um, so yeah, as you say, it's pretty easy to get into it. Yep. So um. So yeah, that's pretty much the end of this episode. Uh, you can find me online. Uh, I'm at RM Lewis UK on Twitter, and my website is roblewis.me. And uh, John, where can people find you? I'm at John Voorhees on Twitter, and you can find my projects at squibner.com. And there we go. And this is the last time we'll be recording. So uh, happy New Year to you, John. You too. And uh, and we'll be back in the new year. <laughs>